0: Have you noticed that politicians struggle to enact the things they run on that regardless of who wins elections, they find themselves or they cannot pass whatever legislation they like. They find themselves bound by what is popular or at least their sense of it. They can only act within a narrow set of ideas. And that range is called the Overton window. And on the Overton window podcast, we look at issues around the country and talk to the people who change what is politically possible. Now people have been making drawings on the issue of uh, the issues of the day and the people in power for a very long time. You don't need to write a 700 word editorial when you can make a clear point with a clever image and a small amount of text. And today we're joined by one of these editorial cartoonists uh, who I followed the longest. Henry Payne is a Pulitzer Prize nominated cartoonist. His work is published by the Andrew McNeil Syndicate where it is reprinted in 60 publications across the country. Henry, welcome. James, good to be with you. Ah, uh, first, let's talk about the basics. What makes for a good editorial cartoon?
1: Uh, well you you uh, have one rock to throw every day uh, in a in a sea of uh, news and visual uh, information. and so I, I I think a cartoon that is as simple and succinct as possible, as visual as possible uh, is the best way to make that impact. There are a lot of different editorial cartoon styles, but uh, that's the method that I uh, use and and my inspiration over the years has been uh, the New Yorker style cartoon. Uh, very simple, uh, very direct uh, visually, and if and if you got to use text, uh, try to be as succinct with the ch- with the text as possible. All right, so simple, distinct, visual seems
0: pretty simple. Those are three things, but it's got to be really hard. I mean, we, these are complicated public policy issues. These are got complicated personalities. How do you figure out how to do that?
1: Yeah. And I think that's the wonderful thing about the, the cartoon art, the editorial cartoon art. Uh, those of us who, who do it, uh, we, we, uh, we do the concept, we write it, we draw it. Um, uh, unlike obviously a movie production in which you have different, uh, writers, you have different uh, visual, uh, people, uh, we, we, we do everything from concept to finish. And so it uh, really is a, is a challenge and you're working on daily deadlines. Obviously, uh, uh, caricature is a very important aspect of the cartoon. If you're addressing, uh, uh, characters like Biden or Trump, and by the way, Trump is really easy to draw and Biden is really hard to draw, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why is but, that? Uh, but you need to be, you know, you, you need to be very skilled in, in, uh, as an artist in communicating, uh, that person. So caricature is, is very important, uh, in, in getting across your, your point. And uh, and then and then being a good writer, um, you know, uh, uh, good writing is 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 uh, important. Whether you're in advertising and and trying to uh, get somebody to pay attention to a billboard as you go down the interstate, or whether you're you're uh, trying to do a punchline in a cartoon in a, a newspaper or a website, uh, you know, really sharp writing is important.
0: Let's get back to that. Why? So I'm not a drawer. I, I I don't do much. Why is Trump an easier person to draw than Joe Biden?
1: Uh, uh, Trump is a uh, is, is a big man. He's uh, not only uh, got obvious uh, visual um, uh, representation with his orange hair and and a big uh, jally face. Uh, but he's also got a personality. He's got an outsized personality, uh, which, and that comes with, uh, sort of buzzwords, uh, that he uses constantly. So he's very easy to, uh, to, to caricature. You can identify him quickly, whether it's with the, the red mane or whether it's, uh, just with a, a, a comment, um, you know, one of the, one of the catchphrases, uh, that, that he uses, uh, Joe Biden, uh, in contrast, uh, is is not a Barnum and Bailey uh, businessman the way um, uh, Trump is. He's much more of a, a Washington bureaucrat. He does not have that fill the room personality, so you don't have a lot of wor- room to work with there. Uh, and then visually, uh, he's 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 a pretty uh, uh, standard issue uh, uh, pasty eighty uh, year old, and uh, he's uh, I think as a younger man when he had hair that might have helped, but uh, but he doesn't have any obvious. Uh, Of visual features, uh, whether it's a nose, whether it's eyebrows, uh, hair, sideburns, uh, goatee. So he's he's a much more subtle caricature. Okay, Um, you mentioned
0: that you've got daily deadlines. I mean, that seems to be a steep uh, requirement. How do you come up with your ideas?
1: Uh, That's you know that's something I've been in the business for thirty years, and and it uh, has changed over time. I think you get comfortable with your own style and how you approach an issue. I I, I find I uh, am always trying to boil the essence of the cartoon down uh, to a visual and to a cut line. So uh, obviously you start with an issue, uh, where, where you stand on it, where you come at it, uh, even in the case of an editorial cartoon, which has a wonderfully broad uh, spectrum. I mean, you're we're dealing uh, with issues as serious as the Ukraine war and as as uh, comical as the as the gaff that uh, Joe Biden uttered the night before. So you have a range of comedy. Uh, as as well as drama, so you you obviously need to know what position you're coming at uh, in a cartoon to begin with and uh, and then I think uh, then you you need to boil it down. How quickly do you uh, communicate that idea and for me again it's it's uh it's going to be visual uh, primarily. Mm-hmm. All right, so you
0: do make cartoons that depict things mm-hmm. like a you know a concept like a, a nameless empty headed politician. But you're more often more direct, like depicting real people and criticizing them. Now, listeners, you probably already know that politicians tend to have very thin skins. Now, some of them are pretty magnanimous, but they all need to win a popularity contest to keep their jobs. And so they're sensitive to being credit, uh, criticized. And I can only imagine that this uh, applies even more so when they're being made fun of in cartoon form. Have you made enemies with your work?
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. We've, uh, whether it's uh, covering local politicians uh, like Jennifer Granholm or Gretchen Whitmer, or when, when I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, for 15 years, uh, caricaturing uh, politicians like Bill Clinton. Um, yeah, you, you, you hear from them, particularly locally. The national politicians tend to have a little thicker skin, they've been in the game longer. Uh, they know what they're dealing with. Um, so, you, so uh, when I was uh, here in, in in Detroit, and and uh, I, I do mo- mostly national cartoons as a nationally syndicated cartoonist. Now, my my uh, primary day job is as a um, uh, as as the auto columnist for the Detroit News. So, I don't do as many local cartoons as I used to. Uh, But if you're drawing a mayor of Detroit or you're drawing a a governor of of Michigan, uh, you tend to get a lot more blowback uh, than if you're part of the much broader national conversation uh, dealing with Washington politicians. Wait, do they send you angry letters or do the staffs do that? How did that work? Yeah, you get uh, get uh, angry emails. Although I'll, I'll tell you, James, the interesting thing about this game is, uh, as you say, there are big egos involved, and and uh, nine times out of ten, uh, they want the original. They want the cartoon uh, to put on their wall. They 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 like uh, being recognized. They like being famous, and so uh, uh, the most most famous example lo- locally is Jeffrey Figer, who. Uh, ran for governor uh, once upon a time and is still in the news quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Very high profile lawyer in, in Detroit and also a national uh, uh, figure. Uh, every cartoon that I would draw of Jeffrey Figer didn't matter how scathing uh, his staff would call for the original uh, because <laughs> they uh, they keep an archive of every cartoon uh, that's been drawn of Jeffrey Figer.
0: Oh, that's pretty neat.
1: and um, and glad to hear he's I, I assume
0: or at least I hope he has a sense of humor about it.
1: I think so. And, and I think uh, f- folks like Figer, who, as I say, have been in the game a long time. They know that uh, satire, they know that cartooning is part of the rough and tumble. Uh, one of the concerns I've had in the last couple of years is is you've had this censorship mo- movement uh, where satire is getting swept up uh, in, in the... Um, in, in this uh, national campaign uh, of censorship and so uh, pol- politicians uh, all of a sudden uh, or, or, or cartoons of politicians are getting swept up and tagged on on facebook or or, or censored on Twitter because they violate an idea uh, whereas I, as I say generally as I've found when I've dealt with politicians directly uh, they they rather enjoy the give and take of of uh, of seeing themselves criticized in a cartoon. Tell me more about that, because it seems that uh, newspapers were not shy about doing
0: that. They were very strong about criticizing powerful figureheads and felt no qualms about it. Um, but, but you're saying that uh, the social media uh, uh, companies have become more sensitive to political criticism.
1: Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's an interesting area to explore. Obviously, the technology is different uh, these days. Uh, news used to be driven much more directly. Uh, through powerful newspapers that arrived on your doorstep every, every day. And uh, those re- newspapers had more of a relationship, I think, with the community and with politicians. Uh, now, uh, so much of uh, the message is, is uh, sent out via uh, uh, social media. Uh, all of us use Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram quite a bit. And so now you have bots out there searching to take down ideas that, uh, political parties don't like. And so, uh, cartoons have gotten swept up in that, uh, uh, satire sites like the Babylon Bee have gotten swept up in that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a different technology, uh, now interacting with our cartoons than just arriving in print on a, uh, on, on a, on a doorstep where, you know, I, I, I don't think I ever had a, uh, Member of the U.S. Postal Service uh, uh, <laughs> withhold a newspaper from somebody's front porch because they thought it was uh, because it thought it was a, a counter to a uh, to a political interest.
0: Yeah, and I think that's. I mean, look, the social media is still pretty like in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's still pretty new. They're still trying to figure figure it out. It just seems strange to me that like the what gets people interested in social media is that they see something that is interesting and fun and that's content you're providing as a satirist and like this this is the kind of thing that you should want now obviously it's controversial obviously you know some people may want to control like some of the things that they're they're able to see but it just seems like this is the kind of thing that social or the kind of thing that you're doing is the thing that social media should be doing which is letting people express their opinions and expressing the opinions that resonate them uh, through them through clever and interesting cartoons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I love social media. I mean, I, as somebody who's been in the publication game for thirty years, uh, I've uh, I've I've worked on new publications. Uh, the access to. Uh, Publishing is so much easier. There's so much lower overhead to publish on the Internet as opposed to uh, through a printing press. So uh, the promise of social media is tremendous. And uh, it's really been sad to see uh, these large tech firms uh, colluding with uh, uh, political parties uh at, at Facebook, at Twitter and and trying to interrupt this uh, this this wonderful tool that you that you can be so direct with people and uh, in, in, uh, communicating ideas and that people can communicate uh, with with one another. i'm I'm very encouraged by uh, Elon Musk, who seems to um, uh, share this idea that, Social media should be a public square and a place to share ideas. I'm very encouraged that, that he seems to understand uh, the concept of free speech. And uh, hope, I hope he uh, helps return Twitter that, to that original idea.
0: Well, let's talk about how your work influences the policy debate. Uh, what do you think a good editorial cartoon can accomplish?
1: Oh, I, I, yeah, I think it uh, can succinctly, like all satire... Uh, I think, uh, a, a cartoon can boil a subject down to its essentials and, uh, and really communicate instantly, uh, wh- whether, a, a, a politician, um, is just blowing smoke or, or whether, uh, that politician is serious about what they're doing. Um, I, I uh, obviously, uh, uh, climate change is, is a huge, um, uh, issue these days. Uh, I, 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 I think it's uh, it, it has uh, a very little uh, bearing in science, and so I think a cartoon can satirize uh, somebody. For example, a, a, um, a Pete Buttigieg uh, telling people uh, to go buy an electric car because uh, gasoline is four dollars a gallon. You can you can instantly uh, draw an image of a politician say like Pete Buttigieg um, that. Uh, that uh, that mocks that idea and i think that's that's very powerful uh, visually whereas uh if you were writing that it's going to take you a whole column mm-hmm. uh to get across that idea so I, yeah i think uh, editorial cartoons can be very powerful all right so i'm a think
0: tank person i research and write about public policy and i try and persuade people The good policies are good, usually using those 700 word uh, editorials that you mentioned. Now every once in a while, like I recognize the power of uh, satire, I think everyone does, but every once in a while, like we try to do something fun or funny. And you know what I learned about that? That it's really tough. Like it requires a completely different approach to issues. It requires a completely different relationship with your audience and most of what i've come up with when i've tried to do that is boring, dumb and not funny. How do you develop these skills?
1: Well, I, yeah, that's uh that's that that's that's why people pay us for the cartoons. You know, hopefully we do it well, but it but satire is difficult. Um it is a um it's an art form that's easily uh, misunderstood because we're dealing with exaggeration. We're um, we're, we're we're taking uh, uh, using metaphor. i you know I frequently dress uh, politicians up as uh, as cheerleaders or I or I depict them as animals. Uh, so uh, it, there's a sophistication in, in satire that's required on the reader's uh, side, and it and it's why uh, satire is one of the first things that tyrants uh, go after. Uh, when, when they take over governments, they don't, they don't like the idea that uh, satirists are mocking people in power. They don't like the idea uh, that you're communicating with, um, with your constituents with these, these blunt tools. So uh, I, I, um, I, I, I get that uh, satire is a difficult art. And, uh, and when I've talked to newspaper editors, they'll, they'll say, yeah, some of the biggest uh, blowback they get on their editorial page is from a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it gets, it gets misunderstood, uh, both by a politician or by, uh, or by their readers.
0: Also, mm-hmm. oh, you mentioned that, uh, exaggeration, there's metaphor and there's something sophisticated about doing this. Like, how do you keep yourself from getting to something that is funny, but not, over the top or just kind of insulting. Like that seems like a crazy balance that you've got to figure out, like what's the appropriate tone for these things where you can upset someone dearly just by drawing them a different way.
1: Yeah, that's the art form. And, and, and that's what I love about it. I, 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 I see myself as, as a humorist uh, first and foremost. So I I think in this, uh, this hurly burly give and take of uh, politics uh, every day, I, I'm I'm very aware that I, I want to uh, elicit a, a, a chuckle, a chuckle, or or a, a nod of cleverness, as opposed to insulting somebody. I think that's I think for me that's very important. Uh, there uh, there are other cartoonists who prefer the insult, but I, I, li- I like the uh, I, I like the subtle jab as as opposed to the to the uh, blunt hammer. And uh, and there there's uh, there's there's skill in that, uh, but there's also occasions in in public policy where you do need to be dead sober. I mean, you 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 uh, uh, face a day like a nine one one or or an anniversary uh, annual anniversary like Memorial Day, and I think you want to be very sober. Again, I approach that subject uh, visually, looking for a powerful visual, but uh, but you want that visual to be sober uh, in order to uh, uh, properly. Um, I respect the subject. So as I say, I, I, that's one of the, the the wonderful things about drawing an editorial every day is you have such a range of subjects.
0: Well, to that ex- uh, extent, you've been doing editorial uh, uh, cartoons almost daily for decades now. How do you think your work has shifted the Overton window?
1: I, you know, that's, that's a good question. I, I think uh, we get better uh, over time. Uh, I, I think um, I, I think uh, uh, this is the case in, with, with all of us in journalism. I think we're much more uh, impactful uh, now because of the advances in technology. We can speak to issues immediately because of the uh, advances in technology. It used to be, uh, I would draw a cartoon when I got into this business, and I had to be aware of uh, basically a, a five day window. That I would deliver that uh, that that uh, statement to a to a client because it would have to go through the U.S. mail. Mm. Then it would have to get placed on a page, uh, shot by a camera, and put in a newspaper. This has all happened in my career today. I can draw a cartoon, and it can be up on a website. Uh, at a client's website within an hour or two hours. So you can have a much, you can be much more impactful in the daily debate because of this advance in uh, internet uh, technology. And so uh, not only uh, does that make the cartoon more direct, I think I can, I can directly address a a subject that comes, uh, that makes a headline today, but then I can also do that multiple times over, over the next five days Whereas uh, 30 years ago, I had one shot. Mm-hmm. So when I think about
0: the impact that editorial cartoonists can have on the public debate, I think there, there's some things that they can do that no one else can do, which is like tap into a sentiment on a policy or a person like instantly and just say, show them that you already know about this. Think about it more intensely. Here's a way to, to clarify your uh, your idea. And I think when you're talking about depicting uh, politicians as a cheerleader, that's that's the perfect uh, instance of of, of doing uh, something like that. Um, I also think that they can be an intensifier, as in like, I think there are some that can make a good point to be persuasive through satire, but I think a lot of them um, are where you've got a person who has an, an idea uh, or a sentiment towards either a policy or a politician and a good editorial can make them feel more or a good editorial cartoon uh, can make them feel more intense about some uh, about that sentiment. Um, what, what, uh, and this makes things more popular or less popular. Um, because intensity, uh, uh, the public's intensity towards an issue does matter. And I don't know if there are any, uh, things, especially on the national level where, you know, Washington is, or Congress is strange and I don't like it. Um, but they do seem to be subject or responsive to the popularity of an issue. And I don't know if I it can say that can show that, the, there's an editorial that's like, there was a public policy debate that was happening. You, you know, someone put out an editorial and then that debate changed. But I think they're tapping into some sentiments that kind of really matter. Like, what do you what do you think is like the direct public policy impact of your, uh, that your work has?
1: Yeah, I, I think it can really distill a subject to it to its essence. And uh, there's so much noise out there. Uh, people coming at. Um, uh, uh, coming, coming at an issue uh, uh, from diff- different directions. And, and I think uh, a, a, an editorial can just boil a cartoon down, down to, it, to its essence. I mean, for example, uh, we're talking about this censorship uh, movement. And uh, when, when, um, um, uh, t- uh, when Twitter unlocked uh, the Babylon Bees account, um, I think there was a lot of people that did not that did not know that the Babylon Bee, and, and this is a a, a a satire website. It's a, a peer to what I do uh, with the written word. Uh, I don't think a lot of people knew that a satire site had been canceled from Twitter, and so you 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 get this headline uh, that the that something called the Babylon Bee um had had just been uncensored by Twitter, and I did a cartoon uh with a cage uh and the cage door is open, and there's a little little bee flying out of the cage and I think uh for somebody in the uh, you know who just who who's uh, goes to an internet site uh or or goes to their newspaper site on the internet and they see that image and I think I think uh, i I hope that 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 image. Distilled that subject to its essence—that that this uh, Babylon Bee had just been freed—and if they knew nothing about that issue, I, I think the, if they see that that image, uh, it, not, it, it not only is is kind of a a, a playful comical image, mm-hmm. but 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 it, it would also uh, if that person didn't understand everything that they were seeing, it would drive them to a uh, to to uh, uh, put in a Google inquiry and say you know, what what is this? What, what's going on with the bee in Twitter? <laughs> and they would learn more. So I you know, I think that's an example of where a a powerful image can uh can both inform uh um uh, uh, bring humor to a subject and and also ultimately bring better understanding.
0: Yeah. Uh, f- uh, for listeners, the Babylon Bee, it's a kind of a right-leaning um, uh, satire site. They do some fun things about churches. I just remember I'm commenting like, you know, the congregation member singing the tenor parts, really going for it, that uh, that that kind of thing, things that speaks to my experience um, as, as, as a singer, as a singer in a church choir. Um, but then at, at some point, uh, uh, Twitter said that they violated our community standards and they got kicked off of Twitter. And that always seemed kind of strange to me. I think it seems strange to a lot of people. Um, and what, And they've recently been released. So I saw that, uh, that cartoon you did and I actually felt, you know, it, yes, it, it it brought a smile to my face. It was kind of, kind of neat, but that one was a very nice editorial cartoon. Like I guess it's criticizing former Twitter uh, unnamed moderators, but you actually felt pretty good about, uh, uh, seeing, seeing that, um, is like, uh, when you're, when you're looking for reaction, is that something that you're trying to develop or if you're trying to say, this is going to really make people mad or this is going to make people feel good. Like what's your approach?
1: Yeah, I, I think it uh, depends on the subject. Uh, uh, you know, another cartoon, uh, uh, just offhand um, that I, I did just in the in the last couple of days is uh, I, I I did a, a, a picture of um, a caricature of of uh, Donald Trump um, I, you know again this this uh, this fill the room character uh, uh, big man and I and I drew him and I drew him uh, with a turkey head I uh, had that had famous uh, shock of of uh of orange hair so he's unmistakably uh Donald Trump but uh but then the uh, the head underneath the um uh, uh, underneath the, the the coif is a turkey head and the and the cut line is very simple it says leftover turkey mm. and uh to me uh I, you know that's a that's a powerful uh image it's a mocking image it's a good but, pun. but uh but yeah but to me it also um Uh, You know, I I think uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, did some uh, remarkable things uh, as as president of the United States. uh, You know, developed a vaccine in record time, um, uh, put three justices on the Supreme Court. um, uh, uh, You know, his uh, was able to construct an extraordinary uh, uh, peace agreement with between Israel and and other Middle Eastern nations, but. I think at this point he's 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 kind of entered. He's become a bit of a um, uh, a bit of a joke uh, in the in the wake of January 6. Now he's he's uh, he's uh, begun another a second uh, presidential campaign. So I think in order to, to depict uh, this man who was uh, uh, you know at one time the most powerful uh, man in the United States as president of the United States to to, to depict him as a turkey. Uh, with a simple cut uh, cut line, leftover turkey, um, I, I, I think uh, you know as as an opinion, is a powerful opinion uh, about somebody, and again, you know, maybe makes somebody think, "Hey, maybe this guy is yesterday's news. Maybe we ought to be moving on uh, to a more relevant." Leader like a Ron DeSantis or some other governor who has been much more involved in the uh, in the in the public debate in the last two years um, than a uh, president who lost an election uh, uh, two years ago. By the way, I didn't necessarily mean to to, to
0: bring this up, but you're expressing. Um important opinions about, or sorry, you're, you're expressing strong political opinions about our uh, uh, author our leadership. This is exactly what the First Amendment was designed to protect, as in like politicians generally, like their political incentives to want to stay in power and to avoid criticism, to avoid being made fun of. This is the height of political criticism. So I'm really glad that you can feel like you can make fun of presidents and former presidents
1: with impunity. Um, it's it's a rare freedom around the yeah. world. Oh, it's it's an extraordinary thing, James. I mean, it's it's what separates this country, uh, is is the Bill of Rights, uh, the civil liberties that we were granted through uh, uh, through the amendments to the to, to the amendments to the current first uh, uh, to the Constitution, in particular the First Amendment. I, I couldn't survive uh, in what I do without the First Amendment. Look at um, uh, look at our neighbor to the north, Canada. I mean, uh, that that uh, does not have a bill of rights, and where journalists uh, uh, routinely uh, are shut down by the, by the, gov- by, the uh, by the government, and and that's and that's what's been so concerning to me uh, about the censorship movement in the United States. I mean, I I uh, I, I must say, I never imagined uh, a time in my thirty years in this business in which uh, my colleagues in the press would be embracing uh, uh, censorship. Um, you know, embracing the idea that the Babylon Bee uh, could be taken off of Twitter, or that a cartoon that I, a critical cartoon that I drew about Joe Biden, would be t- would be um, flagged on Facebook simply because I was criticizing the president of the United States. Uh, you know, you if you, you go to other, you know, we were just talking about this cartoon about Donald Trump. Um, you know, I I I uh, I've drawn cartoons like that about Trump. Uh, about Bill Clinton about uh, Barack Obama any number of politicians uh, without uh, concern uh, of, of about uh, uh, without without concern uh, that I could do that and now all of a sudden there's a movement in this country on the on the on the uh, on the uh, Democratic party side that wants to take down those opinions that's extraordinary to me and uh, and such a violation of those fundamental, uh, civil liberties that I think uh, uh, we in America take for granted.
0: Uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about the craft. I mean, if someone takes a look at your work, they ought to instantly recognize that it's your work. Uh, how did you develop your personal style?
1: Yeah, that uh, that took some time. Uh, you know, when you, when you grow up uh, and get into cartooning, I, I I enjoyed cartooning from a young age. I've always uh, had uh, the, the, the talent to draw, I, I started, uh, was, a, was a huge uh, fan of Mad Magazine as a, as a young boy. I, I uh, diligently copied the cartoons of Don Martin and Jack Davis, uh, some of the great um, craftsmen of that publication. Uh, and as I got into editorial cartooning, got into this particular craft, I admired the work of uh, Jeff McNally, of Pat Oliphant, uh, some of the top uh, artists um uh when i got into the field in the 1980s uh but over time you know you get comfortable with in your own skin and uh, how you like to communicate an idea and as i say my my style is uh is is much more is is much simpler uh i think than the average uh, editorial cartoon style I, I i tend to uh take tend to enjoy the new yorker style cartoon uh, very direct very simple uh visual and, um, and so I've, I, uh, I, I think you grow over time. I'm, I'm still evolving, I think, in my style. Uh, but, but there's certainly that pe- early period as, as a young artist where you're looking at the, at the best in the business. And, uh, I think that's typical of any profession. Uh, then you establish, establish, establish yourself and then really become, uh, comfortable with the, uh, the style that you know uh, best. What's your process from start to finish? It's. Uh, it, I tell you, it's much quicker today than it used to be. Again, technology has really driven uh, uh, my process to be much quicker. I, I when I was uh, dealing in a newspaper environment, when I first got into this business, I would I would uh, come into the office. I would uh, work up uh, five or six sketches um, and take them, uh, in, into, uh, my editor, show him the, the, the sketches. I might pass them around to other colleagues in the editorial department. Uh, and then ultimately at the end of the day, I would have a final, uh, cartoon. I tended to draw, uh, uh, then on a, eight by 12 canvas, um, and uh, turn the cartoon in at the end of the day and publish it today. B- because of the acceleration of, of publication due to uh, technology, um, I, I will. I, I don't do sketches anymore. I, I may draw. I may actually draw two or three finished cartoons in a day. Uh, if depending on on uh, on how uh, how many subjects uh, are are really important, how many headlines are really urgent in that particular day. I will, my uh, the size of my canvas has shrunk. I now draw my cartoons on a six by uh, nine canvas because I need to draw uh, much much more quickly um, and and get things out into the uh, bloodstream to my clients, uh, which are now predominantly uh, online. And that so, is on uh, canvas, yeah. My method is not electronic or paper or some other medium. I, I still work yeah. on paper, so. Uh, I, I, but I, although my tools have changed, again, when I uh, first got into this business, I was uh, working on Stratmore paper, uh, very um, uh, robust, uh, um, uh, ro- robust artist's paper. I was working with um, with pen nibs, very fine pen nibs. I was working with uh, brushes uh, and a bottle of ink on the uh, on my desk. Today, I, I work more with felt tip pens, uh, which are, again, you can draw much more quickly with a felt tip pen. I still use a brush on occasion, but you can just draw more quickly with a felt tip pen, uh, on, on a, um, I'm still using a Stratmore paper, but, uh, but not using as much canvas uh, as as I used to. And I must say, it frustrates my wife a little bit because she's she's trained in the art gallery business and uh, she deals with originals, uh, uh, obviously some original paintings going back centuries. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she says, you know, uh, your originals and felt tip are going to fade over time. Whereas uh, the, the older cartoons that you did with pen nibs and India ink, are going to hold up as originals better. But uh, again, the demands of uh, the quick deadlines today in this uh, online tech environment, uh, I, I really prefer using felt. Well, and since everything is
0: published online, we have no idea how long that's going to last. Theoretically forever, more likely not as long as you'd think.
1: Yeah, and and I like uh, obviously you want to have a daily impact. I mean that's that's where the profession uh, is. Um, that's, that's what clients uh, subscribe to my cartoons uh, for. I do like I do like the idea of having originals. There, there are colleagues of mine who work entirely on the computer. They they use uh, Wacom tablets and draw right on the computer, <clears throat> so their work is entirely digital. I, I still love the idea. Of, uh, of working with paper and having an original uh, drawing at the end of the process. And occasionally I'll do a, um, I'll, I'll do a retrospective. I'll do a gallery uh, show where people can come in and see the physical product and I, I still I still love that uh, having that product. At Who's the your end.
0: favorite person to draw.
1: You know, I, I it it really has to be whoever's in office at the moment. Uh, you know, and and that and that person evolves. Um, I, I but generally speaking, you know, uh, uh, Biden is difficult to draw. Uh, his his predecessor, interestingly enough, in the Democratic Party, uh, Barack Obama, uh, is a very handsome man, um, but uh, but but still lend himself to. Uh, caricature. I think pr- pr- primarily because he had big ears and uh, and a long face. And so I so I, I enjoyed caricaturing him. He, his caricature evolved over over his time over his eight years in office. Uh, Biden is is much more difficult uh, to draw day to day. Again, part of it is uh, sort of a lack of personality uh, there. Um, so that's, uh, they're an interesting, uh, interesting pair. Uh, Trump obviously, uh, always a joy to draw just because he's so easy to draw, but also, uh, such a boisterous personality. So you could just do a lot with his, uh, do, do, do a lot, um, uh, with his, uh, with his face and his demeanor. Henry, thank you for helping us understand how we can help shift the Overton window. James, great to be with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of The Overton Window, a podcast from the Mackinac Center. Please subscribe and rate. For more, check us out at www.mackinac.org. That's Mackinac with a C, like the island.